Welcome to the Pactum. I am Patrick Abendroth with Michael Grimes. Hey-o. It's going to be a great episode. Episode <laughs> 81. We're calling it Covenant of Works Litmus. Covenant of Works Litmus. Good old R.C. Sproul said at the very heart of the question of justification, critical, 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 yeah. is nothing other than the covenant of works. I like it. Yep. That's how important it is. It's certainly one of my most favoritist your favoriteest favoriteest topics. topics of all <laughs> topics i think in part because it's changed my life yeah, to yeah. understand so that's a, that's a good thing sure. looking forward to it we're going to talk Absolutely. about what it is uh who likes it who doesn't like it where it's taught in the bible all that jazz it's going to be a two episode two parter two parter this yep. is a two parter so this is part 1 yep it's going to be great of the works litmus i cannot yes. wait to talk about this well we want to thank you all for being a part of the pactum verse and we do want to remind you that if you've been listening to the pactum in real time, meaning as we release these episodes, there is currently a contest going on in the Pactumverse. On the episode that released on August 10th, we announced the contest, and it is today, August 17th, so this contest is still running. You have about five or six more days left to get your five-star reviews in. What you're going to do is give us a five-star review on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you're listening, and you're going to take a screenshot of that five-star review, and then you're going to email it to us at connect at thepactum.org. And one lucky winner will be announced. Wait, we can't say one providential winner will be announced (laughs) on the episode on August 24th, and you will receive... What are they going to get? That's that's what we really want to know. I think, actually, it's a a packet. No, not a Pactum packet. A Pactum. A Pactum Pack. A Pactum Pack. I and they're going to, I know for sure we, one of those uh, special um, red shirts. There's going to be a red shirt, a new red Pactum shirt. The yes. dispensable ones. Yeah, those are cool. Collegiate yep. kind of style, yep. ready for football season. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, in America. Yeah. And also a sweatshirt, right? And a sweatshirt. Cri- Christmas morning soft sweatshirt. It's Christmas morning soft sweatshirt. Is it going to be a crew neck or a hoodie? You know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you can't even buy the sweatshirts online. You can't. Right? It's true. But, but we're going to hook up one special, we don't say lucky winner. Right. <laughs> but if we were going to, we maybe would say it's lucky because they're going to get some good stuff. Yes, yes. So make sure you take those screenshots of those five stars. Because reviews. it helps us reach the masses. Yep, yep. It's not about our egos whatsoever <laughs> here on the path. None at all because we are perfectly sanctified. That's, well, okay. Well, theologically, we could, never mind. We're, we're really getting way off We track are. Here. Okay, this is episode 81. We're talking about the Covenant Works Litmus, and we are going to get rolling. We've got several of these <laughs> things we want to talk about, several points about the Covenant of Works we want to talk about on today's episode and next week's episode. Yep, and we're calling it a litmus because it's important, yes. right? Because it needs to be a litmus test. Right. Uh, let's just be frank and honest. You need to believe in the Covenant of Works. It is biblical. And uh, if you don't, you're listening to the right episode in the right podcast. That's right. And, but, and we're going to give you room to grow. And we don't even care if you believe in the covenant of works, but you're still keeping it under wraps. It's kind of a secret. Yeah. Uh, eventually, That's we right. want you to go public with it. Yeah. Uh, but it actually is critical, biblical. It affects so many other things. Like RC says, it certainly affects your perspective on justification. Yeah. So we're going to get started, and we're going to start with the question, what is 
the covenant of works. Okay, so, without reading any quotations, it? without even trying to think um, technically, okay. when I think covenant of works, I think it is the covenant between God and Adam, Adam as the representative of the, of the human race. Uh, if he would do what's right, if he would obey God, it would lead to eternal life for himself and those he represents. And it would, if he didn't do what God said, um, it would lead to condemnation. Mm. So to use Romans 5, we have justification for obedience. We have uh, condemnation for disobedience. So Adam represents, it's for Adam and his posterity. Okay. Eternal life or eternal condemnation um, because Adam and God were in a formal relationship. They were in a covenantal relationship. Covenant means... Agreement. Yeah, it's yeah. a formal agreement. And so God was the sovereign and God said, here's, here, here's the covenant. Here's how it's going to go. And uh, we know how it turned out. But th- that's what I think of when I think of a covenant of works, the covenant of works. But we have some more technical kinds of definitions, I think. We do. We have a couple of definitions for you. Uh, a great writer once said, the covenant of works <laughs> is the divinely arranged agreement whereby God would give eternal life to Adam and those he represented if Adam obeyed. Okay. Thank you for quoting my dissertation, (laughs) you underling. (laughs) So that's one definition for you of the covenant of works. Yep. And then uh, also we find in the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 7, paragraph 2, explains the covenant of works uh, lucidly under the heading of God's covenant with man by saying that the first covenant made with man was a covenant of works wherein Life was promised to Adam and in him to his posterity upon condition of perfect and personal obedience. So as you were mentioning earlier, that uh, life was promised to Adam as our federal representative upon condition of perfect personal obedience. Yep, there you go. Also, to to chime in a little bit, this is Mike Horton, and we're just giving you some variety here, so you're hearing it from the... The, the mouths of different horses. <laughs> okay. So this is Mike Horton in The Christian Faith. He says uh, it's the covenant between the triune Lord and humanity in Adam. So united to Adam with Adam as its covenantal representative, also known as federal head. With disobedience, Adam and humanity whom he represented would die, Genesis 2, Romans 5. And then we'll add to that the positive, uh, even though it didn't turn out positively, uh, with obedience would have come eternal life. Hmm. Maybe let's round it out with one more helpful quotation. This is from John Fesco in his book, Adam and the Covenant of Works. Yes. God made an agreement with Adam that he would reward his obedience with eternal life and that his faithful actions would also fall positively upon his offspring or negatively should he disobey. In technical terms, the covenant of works designated Adam as the federal head of humanity. God would impute his obedience or conversely his disobedience to those whom he represented. So federal headship covenantal headship. They're interchangeable. I suppose we should uh, point out the fact that both Horton and Fesco, as well as others, would use uh, federal and covenant of works interchangeably. Uh, and that's important because they mean the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, it's amazing. I've met a lot of people who mean well, and they say they believe in the federal headship of Adam, but they don't believe in the covenant of works. Hmm. That's kind of like saying, I like apples, but I, but I don't, don't like, like apples. apples. Right. <laughs> so you heard it here on the Pactum. If you need to hear it here, federal comes from the Latin foitus, which mm-hmm. means covenant. I looked it up in a Latin dictionary. Right. So you have the federal head, Adam, yep. which is also the 
covenant head, Adam. Yep. And if you want to play politics like I've done before, people say, oh, so what are you studying? I'm studying the federal headship of Adam mm. because I knew it would trigger them. There if I go. said, oh, I'm studying the covenant of works, they'd say, oh, no, that. <laughs> Can't do that. So we're, we're trying to be all things to all people here yep. and uh, maybe not play politics, but give people room. So what we are talking about on today's episode, episode 81 of the Pactum, we're talking about the covenant of works because it is such a vital doctrine. We'll talk about why in just a moment, but I suppose we should pose the question, Mike, here before we move on. Is it only with Adam uh, or is the covenant of works with everyone in all of humanity even now? Is it still in effect? Well, strictly speaking, uh, the covenant of works was only with Adam. Strictly speaking, strictly speaking, okay. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to be one of your kids if you're strictly speaking. Strictly speaking, only with Adam. That's true. Uh, however, the covenant works is still in play. Oh, I, I guess we have to do some theolo- theological nuancing here. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, it is. It was. It was with Adam. Now it was with Adam and those he represented. But uh, since we know it didn't end well, and he violated the covenant, and it led to condemnation to all he represents. Um, we would say that it's only with Adam. Having right. said that, as we will see when we get into the different scriptural proofs, because the Bible speaks in these terms, uh, it's still in effect in the sense that God's requirement has always been the same. Yeah, yeah. So we will see in scripture uh, that we're still called to obey God and it would lead to eternal life, but it won't lead to eternal life because we're in Adam. And so we would never obey God appropriately. We actually need the last Adam, but we do see it repeated. And so it doesn't, it doesn't go away, even though it would be utterly impossible for you or for me to fulfill the covenant of works. Mm -hmm. Um, we're still under its condemnation apart from Christ. Right. Right. Yeah. So it, it does play out that way in scripture. Good, good that we brought that up and could Draw attention to it. Yeah. So when we're talking about the covenant of works, Pat, I've had people ask me in the past, uh, because they're not really familiar with the term, maybe, mm-hmm. is that the same thing as uh, like the Adamic covenant? Or So are there other names of this covenant? What do they go by? What are, are they all the same? Yeah, I think the answer is yes. There are other names, covenant of life, Adamic covenant, creation covenant, covenant of nature, sometimes just the first covenant. Otherwise, mm-hmm. t- sometimes people use some other Latin uh, phrases or, or labels. So there are other labels. Typically in circles I've um, been associated with, we've just said covenant of works. But again, sometimes people have used something else if it makes you feel better. Um, <laughs> and you can find if, if you're nowhere close to your therapy peacock or therapy <laughs> hamster, and it makes you feel better to call it something other than the covenant of works. Um, I think you can certainly do that. I think it's for good reason. It's been called that. That's what I'm going to call it. I think sure. that's what we should call it. But, uh, again, uh, if it's going to make your friends and neighbors feel more I don't know, friendly, confident, <laughs> um, call it the Adamic covenant. Yeah, for that by matter. all means. You yeah. can certainly do it that way. Okay, let's move on. And let's move on to talk about why this is so important. We've already alluded to it. Um, but let's unpack. I think this could be a whole episode, Mike. Sure. I think it absolutely we could, could do take a whole, up a episode whole episode on talking about what this. makes the covenant of works so critical, vital, 
important. Yeah. Why is it so important? Well, I mean, you start thinking about what it affects. This is this is God's relationship with humanity. So it's yeah. important to understand God and his world the way he made it. Yeah. It's important to understand the human race. It's important uh, if we're going to understand the mess that we're in mm-hmm. and why the news headlines uh, are the way that they are. It's sure. related yeah. to the covenant of works. And then we move on. We start talking about the person and work of Christ because he's called the last Adam. Right, right. And so he, we have a, a federal relationship with him as the last Adam. How can we understand the last Adam if we don't understand the first Adam appropriately? I would venture to say, even with some boldness, people who don't understand the covenant of works invariably, inevitably don't actually understand uh, the, the work of Christ, the person mm-hmm. of Christ, which is saying a lot, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then how about this? If, if Christ fulfills the obligation of do this and live, which we'll get to, then all the glory will go to Christ. But if somehow we do some and he does some, then we take some glory from him, mm-hmm. which would be impossible. Right. But it, it's, yes. it's a bad look for sure. It's bad theology. Uh, the gospel is related to this. If you don't get the covenant of works right, you're going to somehow probably get the gospel wrong. I hope there's a blessed inconsistency uh, and you get the gospel right, but you're at least in danger of getting it wrong. Right, yeah. And then, Mike, there's this whole matter of sola fide, justification by grace alone through faith alone, the doctrine upon which the church stands or falls. It's the hinge upon which, you know, the gospel gospel door turns, if you will. Uh, Justification by... Grace alone through faith alone is absolutely related to the covenant of works for sure because yeah. it has to do with the work of Christ yeah. and it comes to us freely because someone else has done the work. I like to say everyone puts work somewhere. Hmm. So you're either going to have Christ do the works or you're going to have yourself do the works. This relates back to Adam because Adam was supposed to do the works. He was supposed to do the things. (laughs) He was supposed to obey (laughs) God personally, perfectly, perpetually so that we would be justified and he didn't. And so we were condemned instead. So it's so critical because it's related to all of these issues. And before you know it, if we deny the covenant of works, it's probably going to be faith plus our works leads to our justification, which is horrific and heretical and blasphemous and under the condemnation of Galatians 1. And now we don't have assurance because it's based upon what he's done and what we do together. And it's synergism, not monergism. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, there are so many saying, issues. It's just tons, yeah, involved here with the Covenant of Works. It's almost as if the Covenant of Works is really, really, really important. It and we should do more than one episode. that way, doesn't it? Uh-huh. And how about, how about this, even making sense of the Bible? Oh, sure, yeah. Because if it's repeated and it keeps being emphasized that we're always obligated to do what's right, even if we don't have the ability to do what's right, which we'll get to those texts, uh, what do I do when I read those passages? What do I read? The, what do I do when I read the passages that say God doesn't justify the hearers only, only the doers? Hmm. If I don't read that through a covenant of works kind of lens, uh, right, I'm yeah. going to make... I was going to say minced meat, but I don't even know what minced meat is. <laughs> minced meat. I'm going to make a big, massive, molecular mess out of things <laughs> is what I'm going to do. Minced meat. And, and a lot of people do make a big, huge mess out of the Bible because yeah. they don't have a category for covenant of works. Right, right. This formal obligation that Adam had to do what was right to lead the human race into a state of justification, and he fails, but the obligation is still there. It's always been there. It will only lead to condemnation. So we should look to Christ. But if we don't have these kind of categories, 
we are going to make minced meat minced. out of... Have you ever had a minced meat pie? No, but you know, that's interesting you bring that up because it is state fair time. Oh, state fair. Yeah. So in Iowa, they have the best state fair in their state. So the song goes. Okay. And uh, there's a whole big thing in the musical state fair about mincemeat pies. Seriously. Or mincemeat or something to that effect. Gen- right. As a general rule, I don't like meat in my pie. I have never had meat in my pie. Oh, sure you have. Chicken chicken pot pie? Oh, well, I don't... See, I don't think of that as pie. Okay. I think that is food, right? Uh, I think so. It's funny we're talking about pie because do you see the shirt I have on? Is my pie? <laughs> I have Mike a pie has, my I have a pie at my house and it's 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 a... I mean, it's a collector's item. It is. Because there's only one? Yes, what, it's, it's number have... one of one. Okay. It that's, is. That's impressive. What's your favorite kind of pie? Favorite kind of pie would be... Oh, that's hard. I love really key is. lime pie. Oh. That's a good one. I also really... Oh, my wife makes a great... What does she even put in it? I don't even know what it is. It's all fancy, dancy looking. <laughs> uh, it's not rhubarb. It's not... I don't even know what it is. It's just... It's, it's, it's apple good. cranberry. Oh. Mm. She cuts out the little leaves. Leaves. Oh, yeah, leaves. Yeah, yeah. I think we may have talked about this on a different, different I think episode. maybe so. Yeah. But one time Molly made three different key lime pies. She made three different recipes and we had people over oh. for the taste test kind of party. That was kind oh, of fun. Oh, that's fun. That's I fun. could I could use myself some key lime pie right about now. Mm, pie is good. Mm-hmm. So how, how we get there? in the world? Minced meat. Minced meat pie. Minced meat I think pie. My, my grandmother used to make minced meat pie. And I should say for you Pactumverse members, maybe on the other side of the pond who eat meat in your pies quite often. Sure. May the Lord bless you. <laughs> Shepherd's pie? Yeah, oh, yeah. See, I, I'm up for that kind of stuff. It's just not a normal American kind of staple. That's right. But we do love us some culinary delights. Yes, on we the do. Pactum. Most definitely. So the Covenant of Works is of utmost importance, we're saying here. It is super important because it has a wide ranging effect on all these things you were just mentioning, so that we don't make mince meat. <laughs> it's true. Full circle. We've made it, it is so very true. There are so many problems, especially as it would relate to the gospel, salvation, justification, that when you do the deep dive, you see they're traced back to people being either deniers or confused or ignorant about this matter. Historically, we label the covenant of works. Right, right. So maybe, maybe we should just talk a little bit about our journey, Mike. Our journey. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> so, in reality, when you really want to take a deep dive when it comes to the matter of justification, yeah. uh, what you end up doing is figuring out it's related to imputation. Yes. And then before you know it, it has to do with the work of Adam versus the work of Christ, right, or really the right. work of Christ, who is the successful last Adam. And yeah. now we're talking about his obedience to the law because the first Adam didn't obey the law. And now we have the covenant of works. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's really where, where it take once you go down the rabbit hole, the rabbit hole, I was thinking of the same thing. Yep. Once you go down that rabbit hole, there's no turning back. I that. can remember being a seminary student and sitting in chapel. And this was during ECT evangelicals uh-huh. and Catholics together, yeah. 1994, I believe. Uh, and John MacArthur just coming off of a plane and, you know, he had him turn the recording off cause he just went ballistic. It was fun. It was the most exciting chapel of all. <laughs> and he was talking about RC Sproul, I think standing up on the table and dramatic with J.I. Packer and Chuck Colson who were on the compromising side of things. 
And it lit a flame under me to learn about justification. Mm. And so I'm thankful for that. It still has lasting effects. But then I can remember hearing R.C. Sproul talk about, you know, really, uh, it's about imputation. Sure. So, because that, that's what lies beneath. Yeah, yeah. But then you go down the rabbit hole, learn about imputation, Christ's righteousness credited to us, what's righteous. It has to do with law keeping. It's obedience to law. Oh, okay. And then you have Christ obeying the law mm. as the last Adam because the first Adam didn't obey the law because he was under a covenant of works. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the quick, uh, just where, where people ask me sometimes, they say, how, how did you, you know, how, how did this journey happen? Yeah. Where did this happen? Where did you it know, start? What, what where it starts it? is if you really want to roll your sleeves up and figure out uh, the great doctrine of justification, Yeah, this, this is where it will lead you. So if you don't right. ever yeah, want yeah. to embrace the covenant of works, uh, just ignore the doctrine of justification. Yeah. Don't ask the question, what does God require? And, yeah, uh, don't do that. keep you away from it. Exactly. Right. But if you really actually want to understand the great glory and immensity and wonder of the gospel and the good news of salvation in Christ oh, yeah. mm. and the God who justifies, yeah. come on, yes. covenant of works. It's, it's important. Stuff. Important, important stuff. Yep. So the question I think typically at this point comes in maybe... Maybe not. About about our journey? um, Well, no, not about our journey. We'll move on from that. Get off the Pactum couch. Um, Where is the covenant of works taught in the Bible? Where is it in the Bible? I did a word search, and (laughs) I haven't found the covenant of works in the Bible. So let's help our listeners understand where we see the covenant of works in the I mean, I can do a word search and look up superfluity of naughtiness, (laughs) and as long as I have King James... (laughs) My word search, I find it. I mean, if I can find superfluity of naughtiness, I should be able to find Holy the covenant of works. Oh, Mike's having oh, a little bit of good. a breakdown here. That's good. So where is it in the Bible? Yeah. Well, it's not when you do a word search, but that label, that shorthand, that category uh, is capturing so much of what the Bible does teach. So yeah. what we can do is maybe look at a handful of scriptures sure. or so yep. that we would turn to as legitimate proof texts for the reality known as the covenant of works. Sure, yeah. So let's start with Hosea 6, 7, because there we do see that Adam was in a covenantal relationship with God. Right. Uh, It does say in Hosea 6, 7, but like Adam, they, Israel, transgressed the covenant. Hmm. So Adam was in a covenantal relationship with God. It says so in Hosea 6, 7. Uh, Some would say, yeah, that's a disputed text. Um, Okay, fair enough. But typically it's not disputed um, amongst the Bible believers. Hmm. So traditionally it's actually not, but later by people who weren't big fans of the Bible, uh, it's been criticized more so. So I'm just going to stick with the traditional, uh, like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. Sure. Yeah. So it is a legitimate and good proof text. Having said that though, Mike, Mm -hmm. uh, even if it referred to something other than Adam, even though it says Adam, right? Yes. Even though, even if we want to take that one off the table, I have no doubt in my mind that when we read about the garden and God being God and Adam being a created being and God tell him what he must do and what would happen if he didn't do what he told him to do. Right. right. Um, all that jazz, that's a formal relationship. Right. Yes. Um, That's it. That it smells like a covenant. It does. Uh, Tastes like a covenant. Looks like one walks like, right. Uh, so that, that thing that looks like a duck is probably not a hippo. 
Right. So yes. it's got all of the earmarks of, of covenant. And we might talk more about that, but it doesn't have to use the word to be the reality, right? right. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. But going further, if we want to go to the perfectly inspired, divine, yes. without flaw or error commentary on Genesis yes. uh, and the garden, we'd go to Romans 5. Yes, Romans 5. So, And I've heard it said that it's okay to read the old in light of the new and the new in light of the old. I so believe so, we're, yes. we're going to just go for it Do here. It. Sarcasm, it. Sarcasm aside, <laughs> Rome, I, I think Romans 5 helps us understand Genesis better than any other non-inspired commentator, <laughs> yeah. including people who don't like the covenant of works. So Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, this is verse 18, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Hmm. For as by the one man's disobedience, that would refer to Adam, mm-hmm. the many were made sinners, so by one man, the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Hmm. So we have obedience and disobedience. So Adam was to obey, but yes. he didn't obey. He disobeyed, led to condemnation. Right. And then we have the last Adam, Jesus. Uh, he obeys and it leads to justification. So it does have to do with works. Yes. Did yeah. they do the things? Yes. Did. <laughs> did, did they do the works or did they not do the works? Right. And yeah. it led to... Uh, both they and their posterity uh, being led into condemnation or being under condemnation or under justification. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. So that, that, I mean, if I had to, you know, go for um, high level slam dunk, where am I going to go? Yeah. I'm I'm going to Romans 5. Yeah. Romans 5 is good. All day long. Right. Yes. So then maybe we'll look at a couple of other Romans texts, but before we go to Romans 10 and Romans 2, I think we probably should go to Luke chapter 10, verse 28, for sure. to quote Jesus, uh, super critical, important in this whole matter. And that would be Jesus when he says, you have answered correctly, do this, which would be love God and love neighbor, uh, do this and you will live. Hmm. Now, that might not sound like much if you're new to this argument or conversation, but in context... It's it's really important. Right. Uh, it's really important because Jesus is asked about eternal life and how you gain eternal life, and Jesus has acknowledged that the attorney, the 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 law expert, if you will, Bible law expert, not the attorney in our sense, um, that when he talks about the law and the law says love God and love neighbor, Jesus says that's right. If you do that, you will live, and he doesn't just mean temporal life. Hmm. The question is eternal life. And so that's a great covenant of works kind of text. What do you do to gain eternal life? You obey God's law personally, perfectly, and perpetually is what you do. And we have it on good authority. We have it from none other than Jesus who knows about the things. Right. <laughs> he knows about the things. That <laughs> he you definitely doing. does. So I I would definitely go there. And the reason that's actually important, well, it's important in and of itself. Right. But yeah. but commentators will have you know, and if you're just reading carefully, you'll see this this is very Leviticus 18-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in Leviticus 18, that's where this comes from, this matter of do this and live. Sure, yeah. If you do this, obey God perfectly, personally and perpetually, then you will live, you will gain eternal life. Well, that's... 
in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. Sometimes people debate about what it means in Leviticus 18. Yeah. Well, I've got it on good authority. I know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) It means eternal life because that's what Jesus says it means. And I'm going to carry that with me when I interpret Romans 10 and Romans 2. It's still that Leviticus 18 thing. Well, hmm, wonder what it means. Hmm, I don't need to wonder what it means. Jesus clarifies it has to do with eternal life. If you do this you will live right yes and we might point people to that up the episode called do this and live if you want to know more about this that we did with our friend r scott clark yes that is episode 51 if you want to check that one out and i like to sound like a broken record and just keep saying do this and live do this and live do this and live because it's the shorthand for oh leviticus 18 5 sure yeah luke chapter 10 verse 28 we know what it means in principle even if it can't be true for you or for me or this law expert in luke 10 Mm. the principle still stands if you do this you will gain eternal life right and so then when we get to text like romans chapter 10 yeah. yeah, Romans 10, 5 says, For Moses writes, writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments, the person who does this, right? Mm-hmm. Does the, the things. Does the things. <laughs> the person who does the commandments shall live by them. And that doesn't have to be nebulous. It doesn't have to be, I wonder what he means by that. Yeah. It's they, if they do the commandments, they live, it's eternal life. So once again, no one united to Adam can meet that qualification. Right. Yeah. But it's still in effect the law, uh, the covenant of works principle, if you will, yeah, yeah. is alive and well. Right. Yep. If you do the commandments, you'll gain eternal life. Well, that didn't work out well for Adam, so no one else. Uh, it won't work out for anyone else. That should then, according to Romans ten, cause us to look outside of ourselves right, and yes. our own law keeping, to be desperate and to look to the one and only perfect law keeper who is none other than Christ. Yeah, yeah. So that's a critical covenant of works kind of text. Now, already I have to say, if you don't have this in your framework, if you don't have this in your theology, if you don't, ha- if you don't understand the covenant of works, you're going to do some pretty wacky things with Romans chapter 10. Oh, sure. And uh, yeah. people have done so. Maybe another passage that people do really wacky, wonky, Mm-hmm. Whimsical, <laughs> wicked. <laughs> I don't know what a wicked things would be. Romans chapter two. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't mind saying I use Romans two and what people do with Romans two as as a litmus itself. Sure. Yeah. Do they understand the covenant yeah. of works or not? Because if they don't, man, you can make worse than mincemeat. Yeah. Theologically, for sure. Of yeah. of Romans chapter two. Yeah. Yeah. So Romans two verse six says he will render to each one. God will render to each one according to his works. Oh, that doesn't seem to be the way the gospel works. Well, it's not the way the gospel works because that's not what he's talking about. Uh God is fair. God is just. Verse 7 says, To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Hmm. Oh, so as long as you do the right thing, you'll get eternal life. As long as you do the right works, uh, you'll gain eternal life. That's what it says. Uh, And then verse 13 says, if we want to skip down there, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, uh, which is a justification category, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Hmm. So that is not good news. Uh, It is good because it's true, but it's not good news. That's just law. 
That that is, once that's just covenant of works. God is fair. God gives people what they deserve. But most certainly, that would be a covenant of works kind of framework, text, spirit. He's it's just strict roll your sleeves up law. Yeah. And the reality is he's he's pushing Paul's pushing people in a certain direction to Romans chapter three, and that's that no one does good, no not one. Right. Yeah. So no one's standing in this line other than, if you will, Jesus will be the one who can and does uh do what's right so that he can be justified. But sinners can't be. Yeah. So Romans two to six, Romans two thirteen. What's going to happen if you don't if you don't believe in the covenant of works? You're going to read these texts and you're going to say basically, okay, congregation, yep. do more, try harder. Um, and when is it enough? Yeah. Um, if if you have a clear category for the covenant of works, you're going to say, oh, this is covenant of works talk. Right. God requires perfection. Um, absolutely, salvation is according to works. And uh, I, I can't do that. Yep. And so therefore I have to look to the works of another. Yes. This is covenant of works stuff. And in one sense, Mike, I would think we would hate this doctrine. Yeah. In one sense, you would think you would. In fact, I would hate this doctrine yeah. if it weren't for the reality right. of Jesus Christ, the righteous. Right, exactly. Jesus Christ, the perfect As you've been worker. going through all of those passages, I've been thinking, what a freeing category and doctrine the covenant of works really can be if you have it in the right understanding and that it drives you to Christ. Woe is me for I am undone. Yeah. Right? It's amazing. Yeah. I'm so thankful for the category, for the understanding of the covenant of works. It it changes everything. Yes, for sure. And so in one sense, it should just be your most hated doctrine if you don't know Christ. Yes, yeah. And if somehow there 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 were no Jesus Christ the righteous, this would be awful. Um, but sort of like Christians, you know, Christians love to learn and study about sin because we have a great sin bearer. Yeah. And so we don't mind talking about depravity and all of these things. This is a similar kind of thing. God requires absolute strict perfection. Mm. How terrible is that for us? (laughs) Oh, wait a second. But, but we have a mediator, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And now all of a sudden, we like to talk about the covenant of works. Uh, even though it shows our guilt, it shows us how great Jesus is. Yeah, yeah. Whew, I love this stuff. It's great. It's, it's so good. Now, Pactum Verse, now you know why it is one of our favorite, favoritest. Favoritest, it most is one, favorite is one of our one of our favorite doctrines because it helps us to see our sin and misery, yes, but it helps us to see the, the matchless greatness of our Savior, Christ the Lord. So we're thankful for you joining us here on the Pactum for this episode, the first of two episodes on the Covenant of Works. Next week, uh, we'd encourage you to join us back here on the Pactum as I we can't continue wait. I can't wait to talk, to about, talk about the, con- the Covenant of Works. Uh, we've got several more things we want to talk about <laughs> in regards to the Covenant of Works. Thanks for being a part of the Pactumverse. We're thankful for all of you, and we're thankful to have the opportunity to be of encouragement to you, to point you to Christ, our great and glorious Savior. And are we announcing the winners of the contest next week. Next too? week, we're announcing the winner of the contest. Ooh, awesome! Yes, so Can't make wait. sure get those five star reviews in. Screenshots to connect at thepactum.org. You can find us online, Twitter, Instagram, and the like. Be in touch with us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the Pactum. <laughs>